Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, me, you idiot. Welcome everybody to the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. This week, okay, I, I, I say this often, I, this is a very, very special episode of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. I, I say that probably enough where sometimes it might lose its shine. But I goddamn mean it this week. We have not only a very special episode, but today we have the very beginning of a series of episodes that I think you guys are going to like an awful lot, especially if you like the same stuff that I like, which is which is television and, and Netflix and podcasts and uh, specifically original Netflix programming. So those are those are a few a few hints, assuming you haven't already read the description of this episode. But I'm not talking alone. That's also what makes this special. I I am bringing in to co-pilot with me for the next eight episodes my very good and skanky Canadian friend, (laughs) (laughs) Liz Hersey. How are you doing, Liz? I am dandier than a paisley ascot, Martin. (laughs) And uh, I I, I think, not the last time we talked, but like two times ago, uh, my my sound was all fucked up. And so my memory of listening back to it is uh, you were hilarious and delightful. And then when I talked, I sounded like like a robot in the background with a trash bag over my head. You had kind of like a Bane thing going on. <laughs> you know, that's actually, that's that's an optimistic. Why does Tom Hardy always have a bitch boy mask in like every other role he's in? I think you know why, Liz Hersey. <laughs> I, I think he's trying to get you warmed up. <laughs> so whether or not it's working, that's between you and Tom Hardy. But I think we all also know the answer to that. <laughs> so, all right. So, here, so here's what's happening. And I'm not telling Liz because Liz knows what's happening. I'm talking to you, listeners, right in your ear holes because Liz and I are both very excited about the next eight episodes of this podcast because we're trying something new. And uh, and not only are we trying something new, I want to take absolutely no credit for this. I'm just along for the ride because this is this is Liz's idea. In fact, this is Liz's idea. I, I, why, why am I being presumptuous? Like, I'm going to explain it. Would you like to explain what's happening? Sure. Um, basically, uh, it's a Stranger Things podcast. Stranger so Things. Anyone anyone who's like, get to Stranger Things talking now. We're getting to it right now. Um, basically, I just wanted to talk about Stranger Things with Martin. And so I said, hey, let's do a podcast about it. There's no real fancy story. That's just pretty much what happened. <laughs> and I knew I want, like, well... So Stranger Things season two comes out in Halloween on Halloween this year. And um, and I thought, well, we could reasonably record eight different episodes talking about Stranger Things season one prior to that. And episode 169 is here. Finally. And I wanted it so bad. I wanted not just regular plain old 69. I wanted 169. Yeah. And I got it. Yeah. And so we just thought, you know, Stranger Things and 169, it's like, 
Apple pie and cheddar cheese right there. Apple, I mean, listen, Liz has been asking for episode 169 since episode 69. And that's literally, <laughs> <laughs> literally ever since I recorded episode 69, 100 episodes ago, Liz has been on my case about why didn't I get 69? And it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's very obvious now. Yeah. Because whoever forgot. heard of getting 72'd in a hotel in Burbank? <laughs> yeah, seriously. It was, it was me, you, Chanel, in a hotel room. Obviously, obviously, should have been 69. But yeah, it was I was 72. three weeks too late. <laughs> hey, I, I think the real people at fault here are the fine folks at the Great American Pitch Fest. Because they would have got their shit together three weeks earlier. Yeah. Then... This wouldn't be an issue, but, yeah, didn't but, they know? but we're here. Yeah, right? But now we're here at episode 169, uh, which is sort of uh, the, 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 the 69 redo. And not only that, yes, we, we, we're, 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 we're going to make up for this with a bang, so to speak, which is why Liz not only gets episode 169, she gets the next eight episodes. And here's something that I want to establish, too, as well. Uh, I, I think, nay, I know. There's only been one person in the history of this podcast to ever record or, or to ever appear on eight or more episodes in a row. And that's me. I'm the only person that's ever appeared on the show for at least eight episodes in a row. So Liz is right now embarking on uncharted territories. And, and, and I mean, and right this second, we are, it, it's, uh, you know, you are... I mean, you're you're a regular contributor, but I mean, you're right at the top of the list. I don't even think my friend Gary Lopez could argue that at this point. That as far as regular contributors go, you know, you're up there. You've 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 put you've put more time in. You've you've got more you've got more hours behind the mic. That those those are just facts. Gary can't argue with that. But I, I have to imagine that after eight episodes in a row, eight weeks in a row. On the podcast, I mean, I, I, how how could you not become officially a a uh, occasional co-host at that point? Oh, sorry, you said Gary, and so I just decided to check Pinterest. There, what did you say? <laughs> you know, yeah, you didn't miss anything. But actually, um, yeah, speaking of Pinterest, I mean, I, I feel like I should add a suck it somewhere in there. You probably, in fact, I'll give you a moment if you would, if you would like to officially add. A suck it. Suck it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and and here's something that's actually it, it's in the fine print. So I don't know if you saw it in, in the in the contracts I sent you back at episode seventy two. But uh, when you do make it to occasional co-host status on the official website martinlestrapshow.com, you'll actually get your own picture and about what? me section. Yeah, yeah. It, really? It's in the fine print. Ooh. Yeah. So, so listen. So I like now, that. now, now you're in Canada, uh, and uh, and I don't have any. I don't. I, I, I technology is amazing these days. I don't have a camera that can actually take a picture from Las Vegas to Canada. So I'll put it in in your hands. If uh, you know, maybe you can work with my Canadian producer. Uh, <laughs> take some sort of a a headshot. Um, and 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 then uh, and then you know you at, by, as by becoming an occasional co-host, yeah, 
you get a picture and and and, a, and an about me section on the official website. So, how's that feeling, Liz Hersey? Dandier, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's like it's like Christmas in in whatever month we're in because I don't know, I don't keep track of that anymore. <laughs> me neither. I'm awful at that, as you well know. <laughs> It's the climate change thing. It, it fucks me up. I, you know, weather's one thing, calendar says another. So who knows? I don't keep track. Yeah. Climate change in Canada, like if it wasn't wonky enough, it's, I don't know. <laughs> that was it. I assume that it snows year but, round uh, in uh, Canada. Uh, <laughs> it's actually sunny out right now. I w- I'm not wearing a parka, so life is pretty good. Well, that's cool. So you're not wearing a parka. It's episode 169. You are on the precipice of becoming an occasional co-host, and you're about to get your picture on the official website. It's 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 fucking. This has got to be. I mean, listen. I I don't want to. I, I I'm sure you've had some very good days in your life. I have to imagine this is this has got to be like the best day of your life, followed only by maybe maybe your wedding day maybe. Yeah, well, I have to say, if I was looking as pretty today as I did on my wedding day, it would be a toss-up. So, <laughs> there you go. Outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> all right, so anyway, uh, so we wanted to get things set up so so you all listening understood what was happening. So starting now, for the next eight weeks, we're only talking about Stranger Things, and every, every episode is going to be devoted specifically to an episode of Stranger Things. We're going to talk about them chronologically. Uh, we're also, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's any way to do this appropriately without getting into spoilers. So, I mean, I know Stranger Things came out last year, uh, for the people who loved it, they've already seen it, I assume. But I also know that there's people who haven't seen it just because I know that that's how that goes. For example, Game of Thrones, it's a very popular show. A lot of people love it. So you would assume that everybody who wants to see it has seen it. I would love to watch Game of Thrones. <clears throat> I have not watched one second of it. But I, okay. But I look, okay. For, I look forward to okay. watching it one day. So I think that when we're done this whole Stranger Things, I don't know, maybe let some of the common folk back on the podcast a little bit. <laughs> and then we can do a Game of Thrones thing because I've seen it all. And it, it's amazing. It's, it's like nonstop fucking. It's so good. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not comparing it to nonstop fucking. I'm saying it's like a show of nonstop fucking. No, they they do, they do stop and like murder each other and stuff, but it's like sex, murder, sex, sex, murder. It's so good. So the show itself is nonstop fucking, but then the feeling that you get is a feeling that you also get when you engage in nonstop fucking. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. That sounds like a wonderful show. Uh, <laughs> and again, I see. I look forward to watching it. Um, but I've never seen it. So if I were listening to a podcast and they were going to talk about Game of Thrones, they might be like, everybody who wants to see it has seen it. Let's just go balls out with spoilers. Oh, yeah. We were actually like making a point there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 th- I think I'm going to do my I think we're basically we're going to do our best. We're not going to like blatantly talk about what happens at the end of the finale or anything. But just if you haven't seen it. Proceed with caution because Martin and I have both seen it. So th- something related to a character or a story arc might slip out, but we're going to do our damnedest for that not to happen. Yeah. And and also we're going to keep, again, to Liz's point, we're going to keep this contained as much as possible 
to episode one. You know, it, it might bleed out into saying, oh, yeah, this thing becomes important later, but we didn't know it. I don't know, something like that. But essentially, we're going to keep the conversation contained to season uh, episode one. But if you haven't seen episode one, then just by virtue of talking about it, there might be things that you don't want to know. So just keep all of that in mind. Or, fuck it, how about this? If you haven't seen it, but you want to watch it, and you're a fan of this podcast anyway, just pause this episode and use this time to go to go watch it, and then come back, and then you'll be you'll be all caught up. All yeah. Caught up. So eight hours later, just come on back. <laughs> or they could they could just do one hour at a time. They can they they can watch an episode with the podcast. They can actually pace That'd themselves be cool. with it. Wouldn't that be nice? I hope somebody's doing that. Yeah, so, so and that, if, if you are, tweet us and let us know so we can actually feel good about ourselves. Yeah, because now that I said it out loud, I'll be disappointed if at least one person's not doing it. Yeah, come on, someone. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll I don't know, maybe I'll... Uh... Create a fake Twitter account and <laughs> get my hopes up. <laughs> I, you know, I might, I might have to do that as well. Something like that. <laughs> anyway, all right, so episode 169... Stranger. Oh, that, that's the other thing. So this series of episodes, I realized, and I suspect you had the same thought. We should name it something, but I don't know what to call it. Because I mean, it's episode one sixty nine, certainly, but I, I feel like it should have a, a name that when people see it, they know that we're talking about Stranger Things. But I guess we could call it Stranger. I don't know. Fuck. I, I really don't know. What about uh, the Not Gary and Greg Chronicles? <laughs> I lo- Okay, so I love the spirit <laughs> of that <laughs> because uh, it is absolutely true. I can't help but feel like there's um, that there's maybe sort of a, a vendetta playing out in that title. I could be reading too much into it, though. How about, how about this? How about You Got Lizzed, the Not Gary and Greg Chronicles? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's about Stranger Things, so Stranger Things, you got Liz, the not Gary and Greg Chronicles. <laughs> okay, see, I... I Loonies I, I... and Toonies. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just getting crazy. Uh, somewhere in there, I, I, I heard the title Liz and Crackers, and I thought, why haven't we said that before? Oh, yeah. Liz and Crackers. Not for this, though, because it needs to be something to do with Stranger Things, but Liz and Crackers... And that's not a Stranger thing. As an homage to Jizz and Crackers, <laughs> which actually, uh, very recently, uh, I, I was uh, I, I was chatting with a friend of mine who uh, recently started listening to the, 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 the Liz Hersey episodes, and uh, amongst other things, he, he feels like he's really missing out by not being in Canada because he now just imagined that everybody in Canada is just these hilarious slutty girls. And so he's like, I should be in Canada. Uh, but then also, I think he got to uh, Jizz and Crackers, and he was like, Jizz and Crackers? What the fuck? Why am I not in Canada? So so you are representing Canada very well on this podcast, as far as my, my, my friends and listeners know. We, we have no idea how accurate it is, but by all means, continue painting the picture that you want us to see of Canada, because you're all we know at this point. You are the portal to Canada. So just imagine that that the you as far as we know are Canada. <laughs> well, I think that's great because then I can just come up with my own stereotypes that like the small pocket off Las Vegas believes to be true. 
<laughs> like so far it's like i mean like we're just a bunch of sex fiends with like really polite cops like yeah, yeah. i feel like that's the message i'm portraying <laughs> and i feel like you could do worse oh my god right? i would i would move i would move there today if i knew that that was the absolute truth <laughs> mostly well, because uh, i don't want to get a parking ticket primarily or no, a i'm a ticket. sex fiend and i had an interaction with a polite cop, therefore yeah. it could be extrapolated to every Canadian. One hundred percent. I have no. I have no. I mean. I mean. Listen. I. I spent. I spent, uh, I, I spent uh, thirty or forty minutes chatting with Sin Bodhi on the podcast. Uh, we didn't get into details, so he might be able to confirm that if I if I talk to him again. Uh, Rebecca Jones Howe, wonderful author. Uh, if, and if she's I, a little sexy, sexy too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if if my only if I have both our conversation and and her collection of short stories, vile men, then this is all lining up to be very true about Canada. <laughs> so yeah, so you are you, listen. You, as as the uh, as the ambassador to Canada here on the Marginal Strap Show Podcast Hour, you're doing a stellar job. A stellar oh, I job. I thank you, Martin Straps. And of course, I I, I realize only just now. We haven't started talking about Stranger Things yet, which doesn't bother me. I'm enjoying all of this, but you know, whatever. I guess it's apropos. Why? Why would I? Why would I assume that we would actually start the episode when we said the episode was starting? Yeah, that, don't people know us by now? Yeah, yeah. That would that would not be. In fact, they might be. They, they would. They 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 probably would have been disappointed if we actually started the episode when we said we were starting. One would assume. But now we're starting. I think. Yeah. Then for again, realsies. who knows? You know, yeah. When Les, you said for realsies, that that that's 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 hardcore. That's real. That's how we know we're actually starting. <laughs> so here here's the other tricky part, and not tricky in so in, in so far as that it's we don't know what's going to happen, but tricky in so far as that we don't know what's going to happen. Which is to say, this is our first time doing this right now. I think Liz and I have an idea of how this is going to go. But you guys are going to be hearing us in the moment, kind of working out exactly what these episodes are going to sound like. So, so to begin with, just know that you might hear us uh, fumbling—not even fumbling, because we're listen, we're pros. But there's no real format to this except that we love the show and we want to talk about it. So we're going to kind of figure the rest out from there. Does that sound relatively accurate to you, Liz? That sounds fun. And, you know, I think we had the listeners from Not Gary and Greg, so I think we're good to go. <laughs> Take that, Gary and Greg. <laughs> I don't even know why I have those assholes on the show. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's good um, Good tension. It is good. Because here's the thing. Like, I, I, I'm... I'm a, I, I'm a bit of a pushover. So, like, wh- whichever of you I'm talking to in the moment, like, I, I fucking got your back. So, <laughs> yeah, so don't take it too personally if I have to talk shit about you next time Gary's on the show. It's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pussy that way. I have to be, you know... I, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, I probably won't be listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think somewhere in my heart I knew that, which, made it make, yeah. which makes it easier for me to I respond of... to the tweets, though, I do. <laughs> so... You absolutely you do. Go. So whenever there's a, whenever there's a, a Twitter war going on with the with liz and gary or liz and greg liz is very much engaged with that but if they're on the podcast the sounds of their voice and i think i'm, I'm trying i think this might be a direct quote from you off the podcast that the sound of their voice on the po- on the podcast dries up your pussy i think that's what you told me 
And I was like, wow, that's, that's, uh, uh I had no it's idea. like my clit picks up a stick with a little bindle on it and like runs away with its head down <laughs> all sad. So, yeah. So, so, so if Greg and Gary were curious what effect <laughs> they had on Liz's pussy, they now know. <laughs> All right, so Stranger Things. It's a it's a it's a wonderful <laughs> show about about uh, about. He, okay, so he, I was I was gonna I was gonna. Yeah, I feel it. like talking. We like we talked about my genitals, and now we're like just letting people down by talking about Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I listen. I assume that Stranger Things has the opposite effect on your pussy, as do the voice of Greg and Gary on the podcast. <laughs> well, so, th- there are some things that light my fire. So all right. So that'll once we get into that, that'll actually be that'll be fun to find out. Uh, so the first episode one of Stranger Things, it's called "The Banishing of Will Byers." It was written and directed by the Duffer Brothers, who were also the the duo who created the show. They developed it. They they created it. Uh, their their names beyond the Duffer Brothers, they are Matt and Ross Duffer. They're actually twins, which is which is cool. I don't know if that has any effect on the show, but there seemed, in my mind, possibly just because of The Shining, uh, the idea of twin brothers creating uh, a, a horror-themed TV show just makes perfect sense. Like, I imagine that they were just kind of like these sort of fun, creepy guys growing up because they were twins, and twins have creepy energy, I guess. I'm just I'm, I don't have a twin, so I don't know how that works. You know what kills me about the Duffer Brothers? I, I looked into them because i didn't know anything about them really but i just looked on wikipedia yesterday and this show it's i mean it takes place in the 80s and -hmm. it's very accurate from what i'm told i wasn't around to the very end Mm -hmm. so but matt my husband was about the same age in 1983 as these kids on the show and he was amazed at how accurate it is and so i figured that the duffer brothers can you hear me oh absolutely Okay, perfect. I figured that the Duffer brothers were, like, around Matt's age. They were born in 1984. Right. Isn't that... That blows my mind. That Like, the show takes place in 1983. And, and I know that it's not... Like, they're not the, the set decorators and they don't do everything. But just, <laughs> like, the essence that they captured just felt so 80s to me. For, for someone who wasn't around. Yeah, I know, like, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, but but yeah. you, yeah, I mean, you were around and you were like, con, like having conscious thoughts in 1983, right? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like I was, so the show, yeah, the show takes place in, uh, in, in 80, 83, as, uh, as Liz says, November, November 6th, 83 is, is when it and starts. And that's Matt's birthday. Oh, snap. That's oh. my husband's birthday, November 6th. Yeah. That's actually, um, almost my wedding anniversary, which is November 7th but not 1983 but but either way I didn't even didn't even that's that has well it has nothing to do with anything but isn't that cute it's cute that it's almost my anniversary but it is Matt's birthday Matt by the way for anybody keeping score is also my my Canadian producer of this podcast so so whenever Liz's sound is extra good you can you can say thanks to Matt he's 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 doing his part on the on on the other side, I was gonna say on the other continent, but we're on the same continent because I wasn't a, I wasn't a good geography student. Um, but yeah, so so but the the fact that the show does feel very authentic to to the eighties would would lend itself to the idea that these guys grew up in the eighties and they were they were reflecting on a time that they that they remember with great nostalgia. 
but in fact they all what they know of the 80s is basically the the movies and books movies they saw books they read tv shows they watched that that maybe came out of the 80s but they they didn't actually really truly experience it themselves i'm I'm a few years older than the duffer brothers i was born in 77 so so even in the early 80s i was i was still pretty young so like i mean i had i had like in 83 i would have been six years old so i still would have had like uh you know some conscious thoughts about sort of what's happening around me i i think more than anything the the show very much it, it very i think it very accurately captures the aesthetic of movies and television in the 80s so even if the 80s themselves didn't look exactly like the show um TV shows and movies did look and sound very much like Stranger Things, and and so you figure that's what the Duffer Brothers primarily are going to be, you know, base basing it on is you know like their uh, uh, their favorite movies. Like their favorite movie is is Jaws, and they they love Stephen King books. And so, you oh can- my god, I cannot believe you just said those two things because I have a whole thought about this whole show, and it is <laughs> this show is basically. Like, if you, you were pitching it in a room, to me, it is Steven Spielberg meets Stephen King. That's what I thought when I <laughs> yeah. first when I when I first saw it. And I was like, what is it about this show that makes it so lovable to such a widespread audience? And that's what it is. It's like they have similar themes, but they're so different. And like and that's exactly how I would have pitched it. So it's so funny that you just said those two facts. Yeah. And, uh, and that's actually cool. So we can get into that as well. Um, and, and so that's kind of my impression of it is that even even if like I mean because I, I think the reality is that anytime that you're making a, a TV show that's uh, that takes place in a different period, um, certainly on the one hand you could you could make a point of trying to make it as aesthetically accurate to that time as possible. Um, but. But 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 I think in this case I I don't even know if but is 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 the correct transition there but I'll say it anyway but I think more than than trying to capture the actual what it was like to to live and breathe in 1983 I think they were more more interested in capturing what it was like to 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 watch movies and to watch TV and to play video games and and uh, and, and even even with things like like you know the kids playing Dungeons and Dragons at the beginning of the episode like. Like all these things were were very, I, I think I, I think it's very much drawn not just from living in the '80s, but essentially being entertained in the '80s, and from from my experience and my memory captures it wonderfully because that's that's so much of the fun of the show. Whether you grew up in the '80s or not, it's still if you have any appreciation for that aesthetic, I think the show captures it perfectly, which is why I think it resonates so much with so many people. I would agree. Uh, you know what? We should actually let's. So, I, I have like a, a super brief synopsis that I can share, and perhaps on your and you might have more to add to it. But again, for the sake of context going forward, uh, episode one, which is uh, the the disappearance of uh, the vanishing of Will Byers, I was gonna, I'm, I'm already changing the name of their episode, the vanishing <laughs> of Will Byers, as a synopsis. This episode uh, is is this here. On his way home from a friend's house, 
young will see oh, okay. something sorry terrifying. can i interrupt this synopsis yeah, for a second for it, can i because I, I have some thoughts on like because i took notes on just about every scene sure and so the very the very first scene before we meet all the kids oh, and, yeah. and get into all that is this is at the department of energy or whatever it's called uh-huh. hawkins something like that i don't know Great notes I took. <laughs> uh, and it's this scientist who's like running down this dark hall, like terrified out of his mind. Yeah. And my very first thought of this entire show was apart from the big bang theory, no good has ever come from working at a science lab in movies and TV, movie and TV scientists are they're They're just, they're either evil or they're fucked. It's one or the other. Yeah. And, and of course, and so he's running from this kind of monster or whatever. And he, so he goes to the elevator and he does the thing that everyone in movies and TV do when they're waiting for an elevator and they need it to come right away. They push the button a million fucking times. <laughs> and in my notes, I have written, where is it? I'm like, pushing the button a million times won't make it come faster. It's an elevator, not a clitoris. <laughs> so that's my thought. and I mean fat lot of good it did him because the monster came up from behind him anyway and then that was it for the scientist but I guess so, uh, but 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 on the bright side uh pushing the button didn't make the monster come it, yeah so, apparently. so you know lessons <laughs> lessons uh yeah and, and 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 you're right scientists uh in TV shows generally are evil or fucked so the second this guy saw TV cameras around him. He should have been like, wait a minute. This isn't going to end well for me. Uh, I also, or he should have just killed someone so he could be the evil scientist, <laughs> right? Like, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a really, really, really great opening you know, for, for me anyway, because I, I love stories. So, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of stories that open just with a bang that just punch you in the mouth that just sort of get things going in an exciting way right away. Like I don't necessarily want to, want to ease into it from the beginning. Um, so, so in this case, and also not only that, I, I love stories that not only start with a bang, but I like, I, I, I love, I, I love when a story begins in the middle of something exciting. So as a viewer, I have no real context for what's happening except just like it, it it's like it's like it's like you sort of fall asleep and you're having this crazy dream but the dream takes place in the middle of just the next thing you know you're just like in in a dark alley running and you don't even know why you're running or who you're running from but you know something 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 exciting is happening and you're just in the middle of it and so so this opening captured that for me where we're in some sort of vague laboratory and we see some guy we've never seen before and we know that he's running and we know that he's terrified and even before we know what he's running from we we know that it's something bad and then he gets into to the elevator and and we we just we we know that there's something bad and he's scared and it's exciting but it's all very mysterious and then then he looks up and we kind of hear some vague monster sounds and then uh, I, I don't remember. Does he get like sucked up in the elevator? Is that the thing? Yeah, like he finally gets on the elevator, but then the thing comes up behind him, and then he's just gone. Yeah, and then from there we cut to the uh, the kids in the in the basement playing Dungeons and Dragons. So then it's a little, it's kind of sweet, it's innocent boys playing a board game, getting lost in their imaginations. Meanwhile, somewhere we assume nearby, there's this like horrible thing happening. 
So then we have this very nice juxtaposition of this very scary, horrible thing, this nice uh, scene of the, the boys innocently playing Dungeons and Dragons. And of course, anybody who's ever watched TV knows that at some point, these two, the, these two scenes are going to, they're going to have to reckon with each other that this horrible thing that happened first will at some point cross paths with these sweet boys playing this board game. And so for me, and now you've got the perfect intro, because again, if we started with the boys playing Dungeons and Dragons, it would be sweet, and we would like the kids because they're all very likable immediately. But the, the that juxtaposition takes on a way more interesting dimension coming directly after this horrible thing that we first saw. And of course, soon after, we're going to see uh, Will Byers. It's going to have his own mysterious uh, interaction. But yeah, so so, so there's that. Uh, in terms of, you know, the, the, the opening, just, just the opening right away right because because here here's how i started watching the show uh, when it when it first came out so it came out uh, july 15th uh is, is when it is when it debuted uh 2016 and in in my memory there was no marketing there was no promotion it was just just one day i was on netflix and there was just a show called stranger things that was sort of being featured and uh and it felt like it felt like a, like a special attraction, like, you know, here's this thing that we've been talking about for a year and it's finally here. Like, I had that feeling, except, like, I've never heard of this. I don't know anything about this. Am I supposed to know what this is? Is this, and I was like, is this, in fact, even the font of the of the title, it's, it's what I, it's for me, it's like Stephen King font, because like most every Stephen King book from the 80s, like, had that font. So I was like, oh, this, is this a Stephen King book? I think I, think I even went to my, bookshelf to see like do i have a book called stranger things by stephen king because there's there's this this is what this feels like and they call it like chapter one the vanishing of will byers and everything's a chapter so they really make it look like a book absolutely song oh and i love that so much i I love the fact that they that they pace it like a book and that there's that there's chapters so when i so when i turned it on i I remember very clearly because you know there's some shows where you're excited and it's like you sit down and and for me like i don't want to miss anything so like i I don't my my, i don't have my phone i don't have any distractions i just want to get lost in this show and like if let's say chanel's nearby and she 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 needs to ask me something like i'll i'll pause the show because like i don't want to i don't want to miss anything right so in this case i didn't know what it was i had no investment in it so i was like well this is whatever i'll just put this on while i make myself some lunch right just nothing no no there was no high stakes for me so I'm just sort of half watching, half making lunch, and I see like this, uh, this, this opening, and then right away, like I said, I was like, "Oh fuck, that, that was kind of exciting." And <laughs> then we get to these boys, and I was like, "Oh, I like these kids. These kids are cool." And then we get to to Will Byers, and ultimately his his mysterious interaction, which immediately leads to his vanishing, and just inside of whatever that was, like ten minutes, ten minutes in, I went from sort of you know making lunch and half watching the show. Just to being just like just completely, completely locked in, and then like later that evening, you know, Chanel Chanel came home, and I was like, "You've got to watch this. Just 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 sit down and trust me. You've got to see this fucking thing that's just like changed my life." And then yeah, and it's similar, you know, just ten fifteen minutes in, she was just completely locked in, and it's hilarious because she's like, I get scared of movies and shit really easily, but Chanel is like that, but times ten. 
So it was like fun watching it with her because it's entertaining and all the stuff that's supposed to scare her like works perfect. Like the Duffer Brothers <laughs> would love to watch their show with Chanel because she would react perfectly to all the shit that uh, that they're trying to make happen. I'm pretty sure I started that with a point. In fact, maybe this was my point. Is, is that my... The, the D&D scene was good? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think if I was trying to make a point, I think it was that the, the opening was great. And then, re- then remembering how I watched the show, that the opening was so great that I didn't, I, I had no intentions of being invested. But the opening was so strong, and not only was the opening strong, the show, the show never dips. Like it starts strong, and it ends strong. That the whole show just like it, 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 it it's like, um, like sometimes when I watch a great movie that I'm really enjoying, especially certain during the first fifteen twenty minutes, I'm enjoying it so much that there's like a part of me that feels like they keep this up this is really good they can't possibly keep this up and I'm almost nervous like I'm like waiting for the movie to stop being good and then at some point we cross a threshold where I realize they've got it they're not going to fuck this up I can just relax and enjoy this amazing experience they're not going to drop the ball so I think with Stranger Things I sort of had a similar feeling of like this is really cool this is a great start but can they keep it up actually here, here's sort of a separate example uh, have you seen the uh, the MTV uh, reboot of Scream? No. So the first episode of Scream, for my money, is outstanding. It is really, really, really terrific and really remis- reminiscent of like um, all the best things about the the film series. So the first that the pilot episode was written by uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Williamson. Ke- Kevin Williamson. Thank you. And and so, but then every episode after that was not written by Kevin Williamson. And I don't know exactly what happened, but my the assumption I had was either either he wrote a pilot script or he wrote a, a film script that never got produced. And maybe they took that film script and decided to, to build a series off of it. So that first episode, which was written by Kevin Williamson, was outstanding. And then every episode after that, got less and less outstanding and it was and, and, and you know the same characters they followed from this the storyline that was built on that foundation but there was just a very noticeable difference like this show is just sort of kind of unraveling and the quality is just not as tight as that first episode so like so with stranger things there there's always that 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 concern well at the time there's like that concern in the back of my head of like man this started great but and they keep it up. And then eventually, a few episodes in, I realized this show is this show is going to continue to be outstanding. But how, like, how did you get into it? Because I mean, I talked about how I sort of discovered it, but how did you get into it? Well, I had heard of it. Like, I mean, I have Netflix, so I saw it on Netflix. I was at July 15. It came out. Yeah. Something like that. Okay, I was getting married in like two months back then, in July 2016, and so I had no time for shows or anything really that caused me any pleasure at all um because I was planning a wedding and um but I heard of it and I'm like once all this stuff is over then I'll get into it and so I got into it after the wedding in September and it was kind of cool to watch it in the fall when like it like the leaves were changing and all that and it was looking outside like it did on the show so I got into it and Matt loved it and his kids loved it and so it was like 
some some shows Matt and I watch on our own and some we'll watch with them and and the ones that we watch with them some of them I I couldn't care less about and other ones I'm really into and this is one that truly everyone loves like and it's just such an I think what makes it so successful is across the board demographic right you could be 65 year old man you could be an eight-year-old girl you could be 29 year old Canadian skank it doesn't matter (laughs) but like it just it it appeals to people on so many levels and I think that does tie back into this sort of Steven Spielberg Stephen King vibe because both of those guys are very different in terms of what they portray but they love these underdog alienated characters and I think that if you look at every main character in Stranger Things they're alienated in some way shape or form and we're going to see it as we meet them but Eleven, she's obviously alienated. The sheriff or the chief of police has his own history. Mike Wheeler is alienated because he's a nerd at school. Like, all these people are alienated in some way, and they find each other, and it's their weirdness that makes them gel. Mm -hmm. And I think that really resonates with a lot of people, especially younger people who might really identify with the Mike Wheelers of the world and the Dustins and all those other guys. Absolutely. And one thing also that I think is... um is very interesting about the show is that it's 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 by and large it's um you know i i don't i don't think it's 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 basically a show for adults at the very least it's you know it's it's meant for a a relatively mature audience but it's it's built around a group of of kids so and then um and my understanding too was uh, in the initial in the initial pitch of the show, the Duffer Brothers were having trouble selling it for that reason that they you know they had a show where the core of it was uh, was a group of, of middle school kids, high school kids. Um, or actually, I think they're no, they're middle school kids. They're they're, they're like, middle school. Nancy and Steve and all of them are high school, but like Mike Wheeler and and Dustin and Lucas and the bullies, they're all middle school. So, yeah. So you've got this core of middle school kids who are your, your core characters who are now going to be the star of a show that's essentially meant for a mature audience. And so the Duffer brothers in the initial pitch of the show, that was, that was a wall they kind of kept coming up against where say production companies, they couldn't exactly picture that. Like, how's that going to work? This doesn't make sense. And then eventually uh, they well, I mean, eventually Netflix picked it up, but I guess the production company that got it was Levi's Twenty One Laps. But uh, but you know, when, once 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 they found a production company who understood what they were trying to do and believed in it, once they actually got to do it, I mean, obviously at this point the proof is in the pudding. It's a great show. It's become a cultural phenomenon. But I, I, I do. I, I, that's it's still even even now talking about it. It really is a fascinating thing for me to think about because because the show, like I, obviously, there's kids watching it and teenagers watching it, and they're gonna connect with these kids because um, it does. It has a, it has a similar feeling to uh, to the Goonies, which was one of my favorite movies as a kid. But you know, when you watch the Goonies, it's it's. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was produced by Steven Bill, Steven Spielberg. It was directed by. Richard Donner but it was it was you could tell that that movie was meant for kids Stranger Things is very much meant for for adults but it's about kids so so even saying it out loud it's like it, it almost I can almost see how it feels like it, it shouldn't work and yet it works so much better than than 
than than you might imagine it would if you know if you see it if you see it on paper. Yeah, and I don't think it's like that mature. Like, I mean, Game of Thrones is definitely like for adults. I don't like I I just I don't see kids even the kids who are allowed to watch it getting a lot out of Game of Thrones. It's mm. a very adult show. But I think that I mean maybe in pitching or marketing they marketed Stranger Things as for adults. I don't think it's for adults at all. I think it's for everybody. And I, yeah. uh, one thing I love about it, and you mentioned the Goonies, and Matt brought this up to me too, is that, I mean, whatever happened to kids swearing in kids' <laughs> movies, right? I mean, kids, they especially, maybe not like little, little kids, like under the age of eight, but once you learn these words and you're with your friends, you, you start swearing for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it was always almost a status thing of like at my school this kid swears or this kid doesn't swear and it was i mean it because and in the first scene in that dungeons and dragons scene like dustin saying shit and they're saying pussy and douchebag and and all these words and i think so that might be a little mature for some parents to let their kids take in but i think that's the reality and i think that's what makes us like it so much and it does give it that this kind of 80s feel because in the goonies they were swearing too and not only not, not only did they swear in the goonies i remember clearly watching the goonies as a kid and the first time i heard one of the characters use a cuss word not only was i shocked but like i had immediate thoughts of like their parents let them say that do their parents know that they that they said that in the movie that they cuz cuz it was like on the one hand i was like well sure maybe maybe they cuss with their friends in private, but this is in a in a movie with with cameras, and they're I can't believe their their parents were <laughs> like it was like a really I, it, you know I, I could I could hardly wrap my brain around like this is actually happening, but but I wasn't offended by it like it did it did it, it served as it, it offered a sense of of authenticity, and and I think maybe because now I'm, maybe I'm just a, a jaded adult that didn't that didn't occur to me with Stranger Things, but I think you're you're absolutely right that that's definitely. That's definitely something that I that um, that probably helps resonate, kind of create the authenticity with these kids. And there really is something for everybody. Like you can be a, a middle schooler and watch the show and enjoy it. And when I and when I talk about it being for maybe a more mature audience, I'm thinking more in terms of like the say the the, the horror aspects of it, the the scary nature of it. Even though, like when I was a kid, um, horror movies were my were my favorite. Like I loved anything to do with. Freddy Krueger or Jason or the Michael Myers Halloween movies or anything that had even the, the semblance of a monster or a horror movie, I was all about it. But I also sort of know that, well, I was going to say that those movies weren't necessarily made for me, but, but by the same token, the people making those movies know that they uh, appeal to young people. So I guess I'm talking more in terms of like um, maybe a maybe just like the the scariest stuff or the 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 stuff i don't know like i guess just in general the stuff that might be uh scary or somewhat somewhat uh jarring isn't necessarily meant for kids and yet and yet i'm sure kids watch it and enjoy it but there's something for everybody because even like with the with the grown-up characters and the kid characters and uh, i i feel like whether it's by design or not um Anybody who watched the show, I think they can find a character in the show that makes sense to them, and they can they can kind of connect with, and they can kind of take this ride in the show um, with with that particular character. Yeah, and uh, speaking of um, 
characters and how great they are. I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that uh, Dungeons and Dragons scene and how this scene for any screenwriter is brilliant because it sets up, it introduces us to four major characters and that is not easy to do. I know that in my pilot script, I only introduce maximum two major characters at a time. Mm -hmm. And this one you get, you get all four of them and they're, they're playing this game and you get to see all their personalities right off the bat, right? Like let's take Mike Wheeler. He's the one who organized this game. And so the, he talked about like it being like two weeks that it took him to organize this thing. And you can just tell with Mike, he's just a nice kid. And I mean, no offense to him, but there's nothing really special about him. He's not particularly attractive or particularly funny or charming, but he seems to be this glue that holds these people together because he spent all this time coming up with this game for his friends. And then in the show, when they're playing this game, um, Will he has to. Uh, he encounters a, a demogorgon, this big monster, or whatever, and um, and they have to. He has to decide what to do. And Lucas right away is saying, "Firebomb him, or fire blast, or whatever. Do something crazy." And so right away, you know that this kid is probably a bit of a hothead who says, "You know, <laughs> do the big thing and ask questions later." Better to ask for forgiveness than permission kind of thing. And then we have Dustin, who's the voice of reason, who's saying, oh, do the protection spell, right? I mean, that kid's never going to get an STD. <laughs> and so so you get to see these personalities, right, without saying, like, oh, yeah, Lucas, that there you go, being a hothead again. So it's, it's just, And it's a great scene, and it does really evoke this 80s flavor with playing Dungeons & Dragons, which I think is super cool. Did you ever play Dungeons & Dragons, Martin? I, I never did. I, I always wanted to because I because the name sounded cool, but I actually didn't really know what it was, and I didn't uh, I didn't have any friends. I kind of just play. went slack-jawed after the word Dungeons and kind of going <laughs> to... Actually, I have a funny story, but I've never played it either, and I remember when I was actually like in my tweens, early teens, I was in a church youth group and they told us that Dungeons and Dragons was a gateway for Satanism. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I mean, I, so it wasn't like, Oh, I might be a Satanist if I do that. Like I, I, I didn't know what it was and I didn't really care to ask, but I just thought that was a fun bit of trivia there. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have, um, uh, some family members, uh, who, several family members who were uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, I, I I can almost guarantee they're not listening, so it's not, like, a big deal. <laughs> but, um, but like, for example, like, they they won't let the, their kids uh, watch or read Harry Potter because it uh, involves, like, witchcraft Which and sorcery. Is, that's funny. I, I mean... I was allowed to read Harry Potter, so, like, my life didn't <laughs> suck that bad. But I just, and it's not like this was something, like, my parents were telling me or, and it wasn't even, like, a, like, yo, you play Dungeons and Dragons or you, you'll go to hell. But they told us, like, different, like, levels of Satanism and, like, level one is, like, nothing really, like, checking your horoscope or whatever. And I think Dungeons and Dragons was level two. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, and I feel, so, I feel like ahead. I would have enjoyed it. Like, I mean, like, based on watching... Uh, Mike, Dustin, Lucas, and Will play it. It looks fuck fun as fuck. Like I, I feel like I would have enjoyed that, but I didn't know anybody who played it, and like I wouldn't have really known what to do with it. But um, but especially as a kid, like I, I like anything that gave me an excuse to get 
lost in my imagination. Like I was all in. Like my my brother, not not Greg. So your 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 pussy is safe right now from drying up. <laughs> uh, but my 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 other brother, Aaron, and my the one pet- who chased you and almost made you miss the Cosby Show. <laughs> yes. Okay. That, that one. <laughs> I love how you remember shit that I sort of forget myself. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly the that brother. And my cousin Mandy, we were all roughly the same age. Like between the three of us, we were like within like two years of each other. Like, and so so growing up together, we were we because we were close in age. We always like hung out and spent a lot of time together. And during the summers, you know, uh, especially not even not even like a nostalgic like um, you know old time or back in my day sort of way. But you know, when we were kids and we didn't have the internet, and you know we. We had TV, which was great, but, you know, there was no DVR or anything. So if the show you wanted to watch didn't come on until later that night, then you just had to wait for something that you wanted to watch. So, so you know, we spent a lot of our summers just, uh, like, play-acting and getting lost in our imaginations. And we would we would recreate episodes of Three's Company just, like, in our – just in the bedroom. And we would decide what characters we were. And there was no script. And we would, we would only, like, half-ass the actual episode – and we'd go in the backyard and like just do really like cute stuff. Like we would pack a lunch and pretend like we were going on an, on an adventure. And even saying it out loud now, it sounds really corny. Like I'm making it up. And but as a kid, it didn't feel corny. It was like, oh, that'll be fun to pretend this thing for a couple of hours. So I I think Dungeons and Dragons would have been ideal for me if somebody would have introduced me to it. But I didn't really know what it was. Yeah, and it seems like it's a lot of work to be, like, the dungeon master, whatever Mike did, because you have to come up with all that and all the scenarios and everything. So I think that in some ways that the kids who did that stuff were, like, learning so many, like, really job applicable lesson because that like i mean i mean you're not that like oh you have to fight a demogorgon but just coming up with different scenarios and yeah. and problem solving and all that jazz and um and then uh what ends up happening is that uh they lose the die they roll the die cut so will decides to go with um what's his name lucas's advice and fire blasts demogorgon he has to roll a 13 or something which is this impossible almost thing number to get to fight him and then the dice goes missing and then will uh mike gets called upstairs and they've been playing for 10 hours 10 hours <laughs> and can i just say that from like the fact that these kids were gone with for 10 hours from their families without cell phones or anything. And then she basically kicked them all out and they went home and biked home in the dark. What (laughs) world is this compared to today where parents have these like pussy stalker apps on their, on their phones to know where their kids are at all times. It's just, it's such a different world. Totally different world. And that was, and that was, that that was, I think that was very quintessential to the, to the eighties and even, even to the seventies. Like, 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 I mean, for me, like my like my mom, for me was um, e- even by her own admission was was very like nervous and overprotected, but you know like I I still I still sort of you know remember kind of wandering around outside or in the neighborhood or being on my bike you know after dark or or, or whatever and actually my brother Greg so you know you might want to you know cover your pussy's ears. <laughs> but but Greg talks about you know when uh, you know when, when he was a kid just just being gone for just hours at a time and exploring the the city and riding his bike through dangerous sort of not even dangerous areas but just like 
like um like today a parent might think twice about it but it was just sort of I did, just a different time and i guess i don't know i don't know exactly what changed it maybe it was maybe it was a combination of uh the evening news and, and the the internet you know scaring the fuck out of people but like i think like, and kids going missing in the woods <laughs> i guess that too i guess a few kids had to go missing until uh, that's gonna be like what happened to the good old days when this happened but i mean it wasn't so good for will Byers. so <laughs> But you know, by the numbers, it it worked out for for those other kids. They had Dustin they had... and Lucas got home no problem. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I I do think it was it was very um, uh, it, it was it was it was very much a, a, a very much like that in uh, in the eighties. Like I think the eighties was probably kind of sort of. Ru- the, the the end of of that time where we're now parents are you know, um, not not only not only are they involved but you, like as you say I, you can hardly imagine um, a parent at least parents who are paying attention who would be comfortable with with uh with their kids just being out at night by themselves and I mean I mean you know just like uh, like during the summer you know in, in the seventies or eighties if you were a kid you know your mom would shoo you out the house and basically say don't come back till dinner because you know she's got she's got shit to do she's trying to like make dinner fuck the gardener you know, fuck the gardener right she's got <laughs> gardeners to fuck and dinners to make so you guys just entertain yourselves until nightfall and so then she just wouldn't <laughs> see the kids and 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 she was comfortable that they would come back and they basically always came back and so the kids just kind of grew up that way and in fact um there's so michael chaven one of my favorite authors wrote this uh really wonderful collection of um autobiographical essays i think it's called uh, lessons in manhood but one of the essays he writes is about this very idea how like when he was a kid uh he remembered you know he lived in this house and their backyard was just like this huge fucking yard that basically led into a forest and and that it was just so amazing and so fun and he could kind of get lost and then he could sort of go on these adventures and and his, it's not that his parents didn't care about him but he could he knew that he could just go off and have adventures and, and it would be okay. And so now as an adult, he sort of laments that not only does that not exist, but specifically for his kids it doesn't exist because he's too scared to let them do that. Even though when he was a kid he knew that it was cool. As a parent, he doesn't feel comfortable letting his kids have the same adventures that he did. And so so he like he he laments sort of trying to trying to find a happy medium between, you know, letting them sort of explore their imaginations and just sort of enjoy being a kid, but also reconcile that with being a parent who doesn't want something bad to happen. So, so I think like that, that particular essay is sort of represents like this conversation where, where, you know, there, there was a shift and, and part of that shift seemingly would come from the, the kids who enjoyed that freedom that one day they became adults. And for whatever reason, were less inclined to let their own kids have have that same freedom, whatever uh, that means. <laughs> In fact, there's that. There's probably I think there's even a correlation to uh, it, you know I, I could be just going bonkers off the charts, but I think there is a correlation between the the person who's like say they spend you know ten fifteen years as just a crazy sex fiend drug addict and uh, and you know, whatever whatever regrets they have from it, they fucking had fun. 
But then, you know, later in life, you know, they find Jesus and they become born again Christians and they have their own kids. And so they raise their kids to not do those things that they fucking had fun doing, partly because, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it did lead to bad things. Maybe they do have regrets. So, so now they're sort of reconciling, like, like this thing was part of my life and it did sort of inform who I am today, but I don't want them doing that because of the, the, whatever, the, 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 the dangerous aspects of it. So, so in that way, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is sort of like uh, sex and drugs, I guess, which really makes me wonder why was I not playing Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> I think we're all wondering that. <laughs> and, um, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, I, I realize also we haven't gotten past the first scene, but if you had something else to add, we could talk I, about that too. I do. I do. So, um, so the mom makes them all go home. And uh, there's one piece of pizza left over, and Dustin decides to give it to the the cute older sister Nancy, uh-huh. and just and him going up the stairs and seeing her on the phone, like kind of playing with the phone cord, talking to her friend about a boy was just it, another like quintessential '80s image, <laughs> and I kind of wonder if this is an homage to like the John Hughes era where the all the older sisters are super bitchy, but Dustin's just standing at the door offering her a piece of pizza, and she gets up and shuts the door in his face (laughs) and I thought that's the first time we see her and I thought that was so mean and I thought she was gonna be this really bitchy obnoxious character and I mean even in the next scene you find that she's very lovely and likable but I just found that to be I wondered if that was a bit of an homage to these bitchy older sisters of of yesteryear because I'll bet it was I'll bet it was poor Dustin because that stood out to me too actually when I was I was re-watching it uh last night and that specific scene stood out to me which was like, oh, he's so sweet, and he's got a piece of pizza, and maybe maybe he's got maybe he's got a crush on her. Maybe he maybe he just wants to be nice. And either way, she shut the door. <laughs> she she had like no no patience for uh, <laughs> for for him being nice to her and shut the door. And 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 you know, um, it, it was sort of a bitchy move. So that is part of her character. But as you say, we see her again later, and she actually is. Um, very sweet and so so you know those those two parts of her character are 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 there that's very much who she is she very much is you know this sweet girl who does well in school but she's also a a teenager and sort of uh growing into these these uh these hormones that she's sort of learning to to reckon with and and we'll see her you know with her with her best friend at times being you know kind and uh, caring with her friend and at other times being sort of you know um, if not selfish, then definitely like, you know, I'm, I, I, I sort of want to maybe fuck this boy. So I know you're not feeling safe right now, but just be cool. Like the, all of those are very much part of, uh, who she is, which, um, which, you know, I guess it is sort of represented in the first couple of times we, we see her. Um, I, I take it you have way better notes than I do. So if you want to, if you want to sort of maybe just start moving through, yeah, it doesn't have to be like every scene, but you know, if if you've got some sort of like landmark scenes in the first episode, well, I think that we through. can maybe talk about uh, the vanishing of Will Byers itself. Oh, that's important. Yeah, now, right? Because I mean, and I just thought it was so cool that he was going home through the woods. I found that <laughs> really cool, and I, I mean, I grew up in the '90s essentially, so a little bit after the latchkey generation, but kind of before this like pussy millennial even though I am one and so I mean we I was allowed to kind of go off if my mom knew who I was with and there was like a timeline and she always had some idea where I'd be 
kind of thing. But like, I didn't have a cell phone with me or anything like that. My parents didn't get a cell phone till like 2001. I think they shared it. So, um, we so I was allowed to go off, you know, as when I was the same age as those kids, like I could go to the park or the corner store with my friend or something like that and get a slushie. But there is, um, kind of close to, uh, my parents' house, there's a, a bike path and this trail and all that. And we were not allowed to go on the trail without an adult. Like, and I mean, just the way that like my parents talked about it, you'd think they're like rapists behind every tree and all that. And it's, <laughs> it's absolutely lovely there, but I get it. And there's a ravine where if, you know, you're playing, like you could easily fall into it yeah. kind of thing. But just, and so I just thought it was cool that this kid is going off basically to no man's land for, for me, where like these areas where I'm not allowed to go. And I loved woodsy areas when I was a kid. And, and later on in the episode, they'll talk about, um, they call it Mirkwood or something that has to do with the Hobbit. And it, like they call this forest by this fake name because they have these fantastical imaginations. And that's very much something I would do is every time my parents and I and my cousins, we'd go for like a walk on like a, a provincial trail or something. Like we'd always pretend we were like pioneers or fairies or something like that. So I thought that was kind of cool. But I mean, that, that quickly goes tits up for Will Byers. <laughs> Very and quickly. One thing that, and, I, and a great, you know, horror thing, like kid going home alone in, in the woods and being chased. And he gets home. And um, the thing that stood out for me, and, and jump in if I, I skip over anything important, was that he, he knows something's after him. And so he runs to like the shed behind the house or whatever. And he loads a gun. He's what, <laughs> he's, he, they're what, about 12 years old. And I mean, I'm, I'm not American or anything, but how does a 12 year old know how to load a gun? Like I just, I just found that really not, not bizarre because it's the time period and yeah. it is America, but it's just, it really <laughs> threw me. Cause I'm like, well, like, what would you do if you're being chased by a monster? Do you know, would you have known how to load a gun at the age of 12? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't have known how to, to load a gun. I, we didn't even really have a gun i i know i there was definitely a time growing up where there was um where we had like a a, a rifle in our house and there was like one one afternoon that i could remember maybe two actually i think only one afternoon that i could really remember where um uh my dad took me and my brother out to to essentially target practice where it was just we just had like a piece of paper and put it on a piece of lumber and i i think i only ever shot it like once maybe twice because it was i mean the gun was it was practically bigger than i was and the act the the kickback of actually shooting it was 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 a uh, was unpleasant and and so there was nothing because it was a rifle so it was up against my shoulder and then you know just the anticipation of what it's going to feel like when i shoot there was nothing in my mind, there was nothing you know romantic about it, so I had, so I had no real interest in shooting anymore or playing with guns. But that said, if uh, if I was being chased and I had to find that particular gun, even if I could find it, I didn't know anything about it or how to load it or whatever. But in terms of of will, you know, knowing that, um, uh, if, like for me, even if that is a relatively peculiar thing for a kid to be that comfortable with the gun um as a writer I, I i just take that as a cue as to okay if this kid knows how to handle this gun it probably tells me a lot about him 
and his parents and eventually we'll find out that he's basically raised by a single mom and he you know that the fact that he knows how to do this is almost definitely by necessity in in some form or fashion so even if it is strange for kids to know it as a writer i'm like okay they're telling me something about this kid in his background that that he knows how to how to use this gun but uh, for, for the American perspective, for for you, my my Canadian friend, as as uh, as gun happy as Americans generally are, uh, we we don't we don't we don't learn how to use guns as kids, like by and large. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly. I felt are... you know, and you know, I figured like it's Middle America, and they kind of live in this house out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and so it's like, and I like, and we'll find out when we meet uh, the older brother and the mom that these kids are often on their own most of the time. So, so I get it. And I'm not judging any parenting yeah, things, yeah. but I mean, even growing up, it wasn't even a thing of like, Oh, this person's parents have a gun or this pe- person's parents don't or whatever. Like no one, no one did. And <laughs> at least not that I know of. And yeah, it was more like, I mean, the, the big news is who swore. right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was also going to, so also with the, with the disappearance of, of will that, 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 that scene, which is, um, obviously crucial to not just the episode, but also to the whole series because it kind of kickstarts everything that'll happen after that. Because and he disappears the same way the scientist does. Yeah, which is what I was going to say. Which is um, what, what, so like like having seen the whole first season, knowing what happens, and then you know rewatching it, uh, it it's 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 you know it's easy it, at least for me it's easy to forget that initial feeling of not knowing. And so, so I loved the mystery of like this kid was being chased by something we don't really know. Then he rents the shed, loads a gun. Then that something appears. We see Will's face as he responds to it, but we we don't know what he's seeing. And then there's sort of a I don't, I don't know. There's a flash or something that the light you know comes in and out. And then Will's gone. And and so especially watching that first episode not knowing what's going to happen that is just the the most delicious mystery for me because now they fucking got me like i i i i love these kids i love that scene he's fucking gone what's going on the same thing happened to the scientist i can't wait to see this mystery unfold and then that's what happens for the next eight episodes it slowly unfolds slowly reveals more you meet more characters things become more and more clear and it's just paced perfectly all the way through the the the, the finale of, of the season, um, but that but but for for everything that happens, the whole show for me is perfect, and that and that scene very much represents that for me. Is like it, it sets up this wonderful mystery, and I'm 100 percent in. And if and if the whole mystery was you know what happened to Will, then you know you know that then the show's gonna last maybe three episodes. But then we get all these wonderful subplots and characters, all of them ultimately connecting to the the, the central storyline, which, which you know, for my money, that's what a good TV show needs to do, right? They have that main central storyline that, that pierces through every single episode. But from one episode to the next, from one scene to the next, you can branch off. But ultimately, everything in some form or fashion connects to that uh, central storyline. So, 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 so that scene absolutely essential and perfectly perfectly done 
I agree. And I think that Will was way more of a badass than the scientist, right? Like he's like <laughs> loading and like he's 12 and he's loading a gun. This scientist just pushes an elevator 800 times. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe, maybe he didn't have a gun on hand, but he's working in a science lab. Like, yeah, I think I mean, it might I, be a good thing to have. Yeah. And I'm and, Canadian and I'm saying that. So. <laughs> and we don't know if the scientist would even know how to use the gun because he's a nerdy scientist. Will, on the other hand, Let's let let's face it. When that kid grows up, he's going to get some push. Martin. Yeah. Are, are we are, are we cutting out? Can you not hear me? Let's see. I, I, I you, you cut out for a sec. I, I, I just heard push. <laughs> I can hear you now, though. Okay. Um. Uh. So so for you, so so the listeners heard it, but for you, I was just making the point that uh, that uh, will obviously when he grows up. This kid's going to get some puss because he's clearly that kind of he's going to be that kind of guy. Well, you know, I hope so, because can I just say that I do feel really bad for um, the actor? What's his name? I'm just looking him up here. Um, where's Will Byers? The one who plays Will? Yeah. What's his name? I don't know. But this kid, I mean, because basically um, he goes missing. And so we it's not much of a spoiler to say we don't see a lot of him for most of the show. Noah Schnapp is his name. Okay. And, um, and all the kids get to do all this like promo work and get to introduce people at awards shows. And it's the, the three other boys and 11 <laughs> and he's completely left out. So this kid who's so sweet who, Oh, and by the way, like after this whole controversy with, with the, Dungeons and Dragons die and Lucas is telling him to lie to Mike saying he got a 13 just before he goes home he tells Mike he got a 7 and that the Demogorgon got him and he's a sweet kid and poor Noah Schnapp doesn't get to do any of this promo work so I just I have to say like really poor Will Byers I mean poor him for getting sucked into whatever world he goes to but poor him for not getting to do the promo work (laughs) I agree in fact I think I thought that a lot as I watched the show was like he was so important and prominent in that first episode, and that the his name is extremely important to the whole show because every episode is that like, we got to find Will. Where is Will? We need Will. So in spirit, he's in the show, but the actual actor, you know, he probably he showed up for like uh, for like five minutes of shooting, and he was uh, he was good to go. Yeah, <laughs> poor kid. And I'm just gonna jump ahead a little bit because yeah. I mean it's no secret this kid goes missing. So there's police involvement. And we'll get into that. But uh, and so then there's like the classic search party and people looking in the woods. And it's like Will, Will, Will Byers, as if this forest is just full of missing kids named Will, and they want to <laughs> specify, no, not you, Will Jones. We're looking for Will Byers. I just I find it so fun. Like. Uh, once he hears his last name, he's going to come out. Like, it just, it doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's so funny. And every episode where people are looking for him, Will, Will, Will Byers. <laughs> and it'd be hilarious if, like, there was another missing Will who came out. And they were like, oh, no, no, we're looking for Will Byers. He's like, oh, shit. All right. Then he goes back yeah, into being lost. just goes back to, like, his log or whatever. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so then after the this epic scene that we were just talking about, we have the theme song that we touched on. And then uh, we meet the chief of police, uh, Chief Hopper, in his home. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a great scene. There's no dialogue. It's him waking up. And, and you just, 
he's just a broken man. And you see that because there's beer cans everywhere and he's sleeping on the couch, I think still in his jeans. And most of the time, if there's beer cans everywhere, you're not asleep on the couch by choice. You <laughs> pretty much passed out there. And the thing that just churned my stomach is he did he did the alcoholic move of finding the beer can with beer still in it and having a sip of it. And that just makes my skin crawl. <laughs> That that I mean, and we'll we'll talk about my attraction to the chief a little bit as we progress. <laughs> He's not off to a great start, right? I mean, like I'm more of like a in terms of vices and attraction. I'm more attracted to the functioning alcoholics of the TV world, mm-hmm. right? Like like the 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 Don Drapers and whatnot. But yeah, like Don Draper, even at his worst, isn't like sipping a warm beer at eight forty two in the morning. So I, I thought that was a, a great scene to introduce you to this character, and I was uh, I was a little turned off. There was also the uh, so in that same sort of scene, it's um, not exactly a montage, but you sort of see just like flashes of him sort of going through his morning, waking up, going onto the back porch, having a smoke. Then you see you see him brushing his teeth, and in in the same so still in the bathroom mirror, brushing his teeth and smoking a cigarette. Which I thought was both hilarious <laughs> and telling. <laughs> He's in the in, in basically in the same motion, brushing his teeth, and then uh, then having a cigarette as he finishes, you know, in, in the mirror. Yeah, and there's a lot of smoking in this show, and um, we later on meet uh, Will's brother and mom, uh, Jonathan and Joyce, and mm-hmm. she's a heavy smoker. And so I guess we should just get to Winona Riders in this show. Yeah, she she is Joyce Byers, and. And she's the she's the first person credited in the theme song, so that does, that's another sort of '80s throwback. Because she was in all these '80s and '90s like Tim Burton movies and all that, and she she was quite the hot commodity back in the day. So it's great to see her back. Extremely hot commodity in the '80s and uh, and even in the, the the early '90s, sort of derailed herself when she uh, became a, a, a shoplifter. At the very least, got caught shoplifting. I'm sure it wasn't a thing she decided to do. Um, which was, it's actually in retrospect, it's funny, uh, you know, compared to scandals that we've seen in the last five or 10 years, a celebrity shoplifting, not that crazy, but, um, but at the time, I I think, I don't don't even know how aware of that story particularly. No, I, I, I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, I remember it was in like the late nineties, mid two thousands or something. And yeah, she stole something and everyone like freaked out. Right. Like, (laughs) I mean, there's, it's like the whole world is this after school special. Meanwhile, like. (laughs) Yeah. Men can, can just forcibly like stick their cock into anything, and it's like la la la. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so like I, so so Winona, so Winona Ryder is she's great, and then also uh, you know later we'll meet uh, the, the 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 evil sort of government scientist guy who's played by uh, Matthew Modine, who's also sort of a an eighties icon. So it's definitely a thing that that uh, that they do. And I don't I, I don't off the top of my head, I don't know if uh, there's anybody beyond. Winona Ryder and, and Matthew Modine, but I do I, I I do know it's sort of a thing that they did intentionally, and so uh, when season two comes, uh, I fully anticipate we'll see other you know actors who would be most recognizable from their from their work in the in the eighties to to sort of help um, sort of draw some uh, you know connections to to uh, to you know basically to, to to the overall time time period of the show the whole last 20 seconds 
Um, I felt very much like an idiot trying to articulate myself. So I don't know what it sounded like, but I felt like no, I needed you to, were good. You were good. I needed to cop to that. Okay, good. I appreciate that. Can um, we just talk about um, that mullet? Can we can we just address the mullet in the room you know, <laughs> on top of Winona Ryder's head? That that thing is. It, I mean, this is like this huge impactful scene where we're meeting these characters for the first time, and she's all stressed out because Will is missing, and the whole time it's just like mullet. That's all I was paying attention to. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, you're right, but it never occurred to me that she had a mullet. Yeah, she totally does. She totally so, does. I can see it in my mind's eye, but it never, never stood out to me as a thing that she had. I guess maybe because the, the mullet fit the character, which fit the house, which fit the general setting of, of, of where she was. But you're right. I, I, I have never seen Winona Ryder with a mullet before Stranger Things. Yeah, so that was, and I mean, it it, it just kind of hit me in the face. Yeah, not that it's out of place in that time and sure, all that, sure. but just um, like it's it's not something you see very often nowadays. I, I think I've maybe seen like one per year. Have you never had a, had a mullet, Will? I have Liz? not. I called you Will, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> I have n- neither had a mullet nor had anyone with a mullet. So <laughs> I sort of had a mullet when I was in junior high. Because I, um, I hey, that should be your picture on the Martin Lestrap's <laughs> podcast hour page. Because <laughs> I, because <clears throat> I always wanted a, I always wanted a ponytail. I always wanted like long flowing hair. Um, partly because when I was a kid, uh, my 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 brother Greg, who shall not be named, he had long hair. I always thought it looked cool, and also because I I loved professional wrestling, and like ninety nine percent of all professional wrestlers when I was growing up had really long flowing like Conan-esque hair and so I always thought that looked cool and what I couldn't fully appreciate as a kid is my hair didn't grow like that so my hair was very very curly and would sort of it didn't it didn't grow down it grew like out and up so even if I grew it long I had something that was closer more closely uh, resembling an afro than just like hair that like grew down so so at the time when I wanted to have a ponytail, <clears throat> I would grow like just just the back of my hair. I did I had no idea I was growing a mullet. I didn't even know there was a name for it. I just thought that's how you grew your hair out, and then I would, you know, try to put that in a ponytail if I could. But because it was so curly, I would just basically have just like this this bush of like sheep's hair on the back of my neck. Um, <laughs> so that didn't exactly work out. And so then eventually what I did from there is I would just, I, I had my, because my sister used to cut my hair because she went to a beauty school or, or what, would it, what would you call it? A cos, cosmetology? Cosmetology, like I think. Yeah. And, uh, this so is when, in Greece, Martin. <laughs> and it, it was actually very close to Greece because uh, in her case, she had to make up credits to, to make sure she you know graduated from, from high school because, um, uh, you know, she was having some stranger things adventures probably. So she had to get some. She had to make sure she had enough credits to graduate high school. So she did cosmetology, and so so in the process, she learned how to cut hair. So she used to cut my hair. So I um, I, I had her take my the, the the sheep bush on the back of my neck and cut it into a, a I I guess I guess it's what you call a rat's tail. I always hated that name though because it sounded so vile. But you know, just a. Well, it looks so vile. That's why <laughs> it was it's adorable. awful. It's, it's worse than a mullet. It was adorable on me. You should have seen me in junior high. And because <laughs> because it was otherwise, it was just like a little just a little bush on the back of my neck. Um, I would I would braid Hey-o. it, and I <laughs> it's like my honeymoon all over again. 
I'm just kidding. There's no bush there. But I, I learned how to, <laughs> I learned how to braid it. And I didn't, I didn't even know, I didn't think of it as a skill, but I, I mean, I could reach behind my head in just a matter of like seconds, like just quickly braid this and then, you know, put a rubber band on it. And I would, I would occasionally have like, like girls who would see it and they would be like, oh, who did that? And I was like, oh, I did that. And they would be very impressed. So I didn't know that it was an impressive thing to, to, for, for me to, to be able to, to do that. Um, they, they liked the braiding. It didn't lead to anything else. They were impressed with nothing else, but they, they were impressed that I could braid the, my, my, my rat's tail myself. So, so in that vein, so, uh, so Winona Ryder and I, I guess had that going on. I went to high school. I went to, I was in junior high in 1990. So it was right on the cusp of the eight, not the cusp. It was just the tail in the twilight of the eighties. So I guess it's not crazy that I would have a mullet and then later uh, <laughs> a, a rat. Tail. I don't think I didn't call it a rat tail. What did I call it? Just a, a tail. I don't know. Rat tail just sounds so vile. I hate, I hate, I hate that fucking name, but whatever. It it paints a picture, so people know what I'm talking about. The pussy wetter. <laughs> I wish, although let's be honest, in junior high, I I I I didn't know pussies were supposed to get wet. What the fuck did I know about that? There was no internet. <laughs> I didn't even know what sex. Was. Here's what I imagined sex was supposed to look like. In fact, here's what I thought sex was when I was like a kid. I thought sex was making out but naked. <laughs> Okay, well, while we're going down this path, I thought when I was like 13, 14, so I mean, 13, 14 year olds today would laugh at this. I thought a blowjob was literally one lick of the penis. That's it. <laughs> that, that was it. I'll top that for you. Uh, when Chanel and I were first dating, um, I, I think it was probably like just our second or third time hanging out. I don't even know how we got into the conversation of blowjobs at that point. Um, because, uh, full disclosure, she had not, um, given me a blowjob at that point yet. Uh, and so I, I assume her dad's not listening, but I, if he had to guess, I'm sure he, he could probably assume that, you know, whatever. We're married. We're married. It, it's okay. But anyway, at that time, I remember we were sitting on a bench outside of a Best Buy, because I think we, I don't know, I'm sure we were, we, we, we didn't have money, so we just walked around stores and stuff for our dates. And uh, and so she told me that uh, she originally thought a blowjob was just literally blowing air on the cock. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like both of these things should be tested to see how fast someone can come from it. <laughs> well, listen, if you're talking about like a 14, 15 year old boy, you're probably not going to have too much trouble. Yeah. I'd also probably wouldn't have too much trouble going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, yeah, so but it's you're... for an experiment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, okay, this is a good segue to talking about that science teacher. All right, because I have some thoughts on this science teacher. First, Mr. Clark, his name is. I love him. I think he's great. I think he's so sweet. And um, and Matt really took a shine to him too. He thought, you know, wh whatever happened to encouraging kids to be smart. And how he he had this special bond with these nerdy kids, with Mike and his friends, and he let them see like this short radio, short wave radio or whatever it's called. And I just thought that was so sweet and lovely. But that being said, Mr. Clark totally gave me a pedophile vibe. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one. And no, not because. Um, you know, he has a special bond with these kids and, and he took them to this dark room or anything like that. Just with, like, how he looks. 
Like he has this like weird mustache and and like just like his high nasally voice, and I'm just like, you probably drive a white fan. <laughs> there, there definitely is. If if you knew nothing else about him, it wouldn't you wouldn't be crazy to get uh, a pedophile vibe off of him because he does sort of have a creepy mustache and he is a little bit too too comfortable and familiar with the kids but again i think that's they, not even it though yeah it's the mustache and the voice and his name is mr clark and i don't know <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say like in 2017 that that might be a, a red flag for like this guy is spending way too much time with our kids but you know eventually we learn that he really is just a good teacher who takes an interest in these kids yeah and wants to and inspire never... them to learn I never thought he was a pedophile in the context of the sh- show, but just that aesthetic, and I was, I was, just, yeah, yeah, I'm getting that vibe. <laughs> but yeah, I also like him uh, an awful lot. Uh, I also realize now we are we're like uh, almost an hour and a half in, and we haven't talked about really the the central iconic character of this series. Steve. Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, again, I, I assume you've got uh, way better notes than I do. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about yeah. Eleven and how we meet her and, and and whatnot. Well, she she doesn't show up until like halfway through the episode, or at least a third of the way into the episode, and um and so yeah, there's um there's some uh, drama going on at this science lab, and um and it's all these you know men in suits show up and put on hazmat suits and they're they're kind of like looking around and we see kind of like where the scientist was captured and it looks like monster jizz all over the place <laughs> and Matt and I watch it with um we got to the habit of watching things with subtitles because when we watch TV with his mom, she doesn't hear very well. So we just put the subtitles on for her. And, uh, and they, so they'll also have the sound effects. And when they, they like do close-ups on the, um, on the monster jizz, it says squelching in brackets, which I think is just a great word. By the way, if you ever have the chance, anyone, you partner, any listeners watch this show with a subwoofer. Cause we have one and it is just unreal. Like those like, like, especially with like the monster noises and all that. It, it's just, it's crazy. Like you feel like you're about to get attacked by this monster jizz. And so there's that drama that this monster attacked, but also that she went missing. She went missing. And we're like, who went missing? And so then we go to this sort of diner where it's this friendly guy named, uh, I really liked him, so I wrote his name, named Benny Hammond, who who runs this local diner, makes burgers and fries, and this little girl with a buzz cut in a, like a medicine gown or what, what do you call hospital gown? Yeah, hospital gown. <laughs> medicine gown, what am I talking about? This hospital <laughs> gown shows up and starts just like snarfing these fries and we don't know anything about her. We just, we just assume that she's this person who goes missing from this lab and of course the um, Benny Hammonds catches her but immediately sees like something's wrong with this girl and at first he thinks that she's a guy because of her hair but then I, I don't know how does he know like he looks into her eyes and he just knows right like I think was, so. there, was, there, was there a hand between the legs that we just didn't <laughs> see because of the shot like Good grief. just to make sure because, I mean like Benny Hammond, he doesn't look like any Mr. Clark, if you know what I mean, right? Like, he, he seems like a pretty solid dude. But yeah, we, we meet this girl, and um, and she's got some powers, too. Yeah, and, and so my 
so okay so with the with my first introduction to 11 i well i, I think like most everybody who who watched the show we uh we have a very special affection for this character and the more we get to know her but for me in particular um i i, I felt a, a strong connection to her because she reminded me so much of uh, of the main character in my first novel timber Marlowe. And and even thematically, oh, yeah. kind of reminding me of Timur Marla, where she is this young girl with a shaved head, who ultimately is you know she she grows up in within this uh, in this case you know, in, like my character grew up in a in a cannibal cult, and Eleven's case she grew up you know sort of relatively enslaved in like this science lab where we eventually learn there were you know experiments done on her. To, to learn more about these abilities that as viewers will learn more about her abilities you know as the episodes go on but then also like in my novel inside the outside you know timber marlowe after growing up isolated in this cannibal cult and really only knowing her only introduction to the world is this cult she eventually finds herself in the outside by herself and all the things that she now discovers which for everyone else is normal for her everything is very foreign and it's like an alien world so when I watched Eleven, I felt a, a special kinship because I felt like I was seeing, you know, the, the, the television version of Timber Marlowe and the shaved head and leaving the forest and entering the outside and even going into the diner and meeting this nice guy and in, in, in inside the outside. And by the way, let me say this. I'm in no way implying that the Duffer Brothers read my book or, or you know, got inspired by any ideas. I, I just, in my brain, saw these connections. So, so in my book, Timber Marlowe, when she uh, when she officially is in the outside for good, the first place she goes is to Kathy's diner, and uh, and then it's and so, and for whatever reason in my mind it was just sort of a, a sweet place for her to go, and then the the Kathy who was uh, the waitress and the owner gives her a piece of apple pie, and it's sort of this nice sweet scene for this uh, this to, to help sort of um, to help I don't know put a put a nice um, period on this otherwise traumatic journey she had up until that point so with 11 we you know we kind of see this similar thing where she ends up in this diner and you know she gets a meal and this this nice guy uh benny who uh you know up up to this point you know i it feels like he's going to be around for a few episodes but whatever Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh that scene like we might as well talk about that scene while we're talking about 11 and and benny hammond so i mean basically what happens is like he calls child services and there's um like these nsa people like listening in on this conversation and um and then this nice blonde lady shows up (laughs) and you think oh everything's gonna be great no, because she shoots him in the fucking head. And then these guys come in to take Eleven back. And that scene was so badass with that music playing. And then she comes in and she just sees her guys get taken out and Eleven's just gone. <laughs> that was super cool. And it's like, and we don't even know really what Eleven's capable of because prior to, um, to these people showing up when uh, Benny's making the call and she's by herself eating the hamburger there's this fan on that's driving her nuts and she just looks at it and it stops. So we know that she has some kind of telekinesis type thing, but we don't actually see her like take out the guys who are after her. We just see them dead on the ground and she's just gone. Yeah. I love that. But any chance, I I feel like I know the answer, but any chance you watched uh, the movie Logan, the Wolverine movie that came out a few months ago? I think you know the answer. <laughs> I know. The I, answer. I've heard, I heard good things about it, and I think it's great that it's supposed to be like this actually like violent R-rated 
superhero movie, but no, I haven't seen that. It's a, it's a wonderful movie. Um, if you decide to watch it, I think you'd enjoy it, not just because of the violence, but it's a really sort of, it's it's very much like an elevated, it, it, it elevates the, the, the genre for however cliche or douchey that sounds, but um, it really does sort of take a, a very, it, it's like takes a superhero genre, but um, but makes it in a way of like um, like it like it, it's as if they were trying to make the sort of movie that gets recognized by the Academy Awards, but it just happens to be a superhero genre. But that said, the the, the central character besides Wolverine is um, I think her name is X twenty three or X twenty four or whatever. I'm sure there's a comic book nerd yelling at me right now for getting it wrong. But her name is not the point. The, there's the, the the first real introduction we have to her because she's like basically a miniature Wolverine. But we don't necessarily know that as viewers. At the very least, I didn't necessarily know that. So we see her like in this sort of house, and she's eating cereal, and just a group of badass guys with like guns and knives, and they're like they're supposed to go in there and grab her. And she sees them on like a surveillance camera, and she's eating cereal. And even if she sees them coming in, like the look on her face is she's just like bored as fuck. There's like not one ounce of like fear about these menacing guys coming in. And then the next, and so then it cuts to like outside where like there's the leader who's waiting for them to bring her out. And we see this little girl like walking out by herself with something in her arm. And we assume it's like a, a bag or something. And as she gets closer to the camera, we realize she's holding a decapitated head from one of the guys that came in. <laughs> and so we saw nothing that happened. But just in that moment, we understand, holy shit, this kid's a badass. And we didn't even have to see her do anything. It was just that scene. So in that same way, uh, the, you know this. You know with the uh, with with eleven, uh, I think that's part of what makes uh, eleven so, you know, so uh, uh, um, it, it works so well in the early parts of of the series that even before we see exactly what she can do, we get these really great hints of we don't know exactly what she can do, but she's she's kind of a badass. Yeah, indeed, and then. Um... I, I am going to want to backtrack a little bit to sure. talk about some of these other points, but, um, but just that, um, so it's basically Will's gone missing and, you know, people know about it now. And so Mike and blatantly defies his mom's orders to stay at home. And, uh, he, he rounds up his crew via walkie talkie and they go out in the rain in the woods looking for Will. And meanwhile, this 11 girl has just run away from these people who are after her and the, climax of the episode the cliffhanger it ends with them running into each other mm-hmm. and it's like what the fuck in the rain and and it's just like you it, it, it there could not be a better hook like Absolutely. to make you want to keep watching like that these people this weird science lab thing has come and collided with these kids in their normal world looking for their missing friend yeah, and, and and even going back to like the the beginning of the episode, right? We start with the the scientists running from something mysterious and ultimately getting killed. Cut to the Sweet Boys playing Dungeons and Dragons, and just by the juxtaposition of those two things, you you know that whatever is happening in these two scenes, at some point, they're going to have to intersect. And so when we get to the end of the episode, eleven, we we can pretty much safely deduce that she's connected to whatever happened in that lab and so now we, we we get that we get that collision at the cliffhanger of the thing that happened in the science lab the sweet the sweet boys playing dungeons and dragons that they now intersect and then that's the end of the episode and then roll credits 
and thank God for Netflix because we don't have to wait till next week. We can just binge watch at our at our pleasure. I would love to hear some statistics on, and I don't know if Netflix, Netflix must have them, but what they release and all that, but how many people watch the pilot episode and immediately watch the second episode. <laughs> that would be a very interesting to know. Um, I just like to touch on some of the other characters real yeah. quick. We don't need to go through every single scene, but um, we talked about uh, Joyce, um, Joyce Byers and her bullet. Uh, but like we didn't really talk about Jonathan too much, and he's a character who's gonna be very important later on. And I just I loved the scene where we meet them, and he's making breakfast because you immediately get this whole family dynamic, and that they all love each other, but that like financially whatnot they're struggling. I mean, she has to support a whole household on her own. Yeah. And um, this isn't a super spoiler. We're gonna find out that, that she's a cashier, so she's not making big bucks. And um, and you just really feel for Jonathan especially because he's making breakfast and Will's not up yet because they still think he's around. And so he's making breakfast for his whole family, which not, you know, most usually the parent makes breakfast when the kids are at least, you know, still in school. Mm-hmm. And then she, she's chastising him for not waking him up. And here he is making breakfast. And then they find out that he's gone and they don't know where he is. And so then she she's berating him about, oh, where were you last night? And it turns out that he was working and making some extra money for the house and then he gets in trouble for that so like the kid can't win and by the same token you don't blame you don't think Joyce is being this really horrible awful mom because it's just you know she's panicking because her kid's missing but you really get that whole dynamic and you really just feel for Jonathan as again he's one of these alienated guys we're gonna see him later on alienated at school and he's kind of alienated in his own home because he's this like halfway between an adult where he's supposed to be do all these adult things but he's not supposed to pick up a shift Uh, to support the house but he's also a kid too but he's not as young as will so he doesn't get this nurturing either so he's a very fascinating character yeah and also in um i think like in storytelling terms uh it's it's the way that we meet that we meet both him and also his mom you know joyce uh it's it's just a very good economic use of storytelling like we see him making breakfast uh for the family in the morning uh, there's there's not a big show of like oh that's not usually how it works usually it's the the mom doing that but just the fact that we kind of sort of understand that the parents would usually do that immediately tells us a lot about not just not just Jonathan but the dynamic of this family and the fact that the mom is freaking out about you know weren't you supposed to wake him up again it's it's telling us so much about this character the dynamic of this family but it's not you know. It's not uh, spoon feeding us anything. It's just it's just throwing us in the middle of a scene, showing us this family, and then just by virtue of watching this family, we learn so much about who they are, and and, and how they operate. So the, for, so for me, that's just really really great storytelling and a really great sort of economic use of storytelling. That in a very short period of time, similar to your point with the Dungeons and Dragons game, in a very short period of time, we learn a lot about these people just by watching them just go through, in this case, just uh, what what starts as a normal morning before quickly unraveling into, um, you know, our son slash brother is missing. What are we going to do? Yeah, and it's it's great because then at one point, um, because he and Mike... Will, I always mix up Mike and Will for some reason. Will had been playing at Mike's place, and so... Uh, Joyce calls the Wheeler household, and then you see their perfect, fit, like 
nuclear family breakfasts where they're all at the table having breakfast. Like, when the fuck does that ever happen anymore? <laughs> right? Like, and everything's perfectly made. They're all perfectly dressed. I don't get it. Like, when I wake up, I make breakfast sometimes for me and sometimes, you know, for anyone else. But usually I'm the first one up and I eat alone. And that's before, like, I've just had my shower, but I'm still in my pajamas. And they're this perfect <laughs> family. And I, I have to say, I really like the whole dynamic between them. Like, Mike's pouring syrup on his eggs and Nancy's <laughs> like, that's disgusting. You're disgusting like total like quintessential sibling fighting about nothing and uh, well i swear the dad mr wheeler is not important to the show at all and i think he maybe says 12 words in this whole episode <laughs> and about nine of them are language so I, just, I find that so funny and yeah just like the chaos that goes on in the the buyer's household even when will's not missing and this perfect wheeler family breakfast scene and i don't okay i I just have to say like i from a, a filming standpoint i don't get why they have a toddler sister she doesn't do anything she's not part of any plot and that's just a child that you have to pay for just <laughs> eating scrambled eggs and being a, a risk liability i don't get it but i don't know i'm not a parent so <laughs> i i don't know but i'm like like why why have three of these freaking things right like so yeah. that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know either. But also too, like the, the like the perfect like the again, we've got this juxtaposition between the the relative chaos of the the buyer's household and then the the relative um, you know picturesque idealism of the the Wheeler household. But then later, as the show as the show goes and sort of a uh, you know subtle subplot, we we yeah, I, I don't know if this is me projecting or if it was like very much played out. But for me, it's it's very clear that like there's the the relationship with the mom and dad is not necessarily ideal. Like he's you know um, we kind of learn that he's a little bit older. We kind of get the impression that mom sort of married him for the security and he had some money and you know she could you know sort of make a family with him and and all those things. They're not like crucial to the overall plot. I didn't get that at all. From yeah. the, I don't remember that. Oh, I'm excited to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's in there, but it's not, you know, they, they don't hit you. Like, I, I think I got, I, I think I, it's sort of, it came from, and again, like, I, I don't know if it was from a conversation that, uh, that she was having with the, with, with, you know, with her daughter, Nancy, um, or if it was just me sort of extrapolating. Oh, I think of, I know what you're referring to but, now. Okay. But yeah. And so I think the fact that he is a little bit older than her, um, that, 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 you know, that, that it was sort of, and, and also like it's like the mom, um, just because I, I I sort of know that people like this exist, and I and I know them myself. Where they will, you know, they do like to have that ideal exterior, even if even even if their life is more closely related to the buyers internally, it's you know as long as the exterior represents this ideal picture, then 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 they're satisfied. They would rather you think things are perfect than things actually actually be perfect and so i feel like there's a lot of that going on in the in the wheeler household okay yeah i can totally see what you're saying and just to kind of nitpick or ask something that's not relevant to any plot or anything like that there's a scene with the uh with the wheelers having their perfect dinner um later at the end of the episode when um when Mike's saying that he wants to go look for um for will and and nancy wants to go quote unquote study with barb study steve's cock and um and and then and then like they get mad and they storm up from the table and then the mom gets mad at the dad and he's just kind of like what did i do she has a wine glass like she's drinking like uh, with liquid in it 
and it looks to be like the color of apple juice. And I'm like, I'm a very big fan of the wine. And I'm like, what the hell kind of wine is that? <laughs> I had no idea. And I know you don't drink, so you probably can't help me out. Yeah, I'm but I'll, if any, if if anyone knows what the hell she was drinking did she just put apple juice in a wine glass what is that it doesn't look like white wine it doesn't look like red wine it doesn't look like red wine poured with white wine what is it so anyway that's just kind of a tangent (laughs) i just kind of want to know um so the bullies can we talk about them yeah yeah okay so i am so glad that they introduced this aspect of the story because it like it really gets me invested because when I see these type of characters I start to like shake a little bit and my peripheral vision goes all white like I really hate these characters and I'm really 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 looking forward to them getting their comeuppance like I it's very tough for me to watch but I it's okay because I know something bad will happen to them later (laughs) but you I, I get so invested in them but i do have to say uh, for all the brilliance that is this episode i can forgive this scene but i have some major issues with it because like the kids mike and um and dustin and lucas show up at school and at this point they're just kind of they're not worried about where will is they think that he probably just went to school early to study for a pop quiz or something like nerdy like that and so they're just kind of putting their bikes on the rack and then they see the bullies coming and they just kind of wait for them Like, they don't, like, say, like, oh, here's, like, douchebag and his friends, let's go. They just kind of, like, wait to be verbally abused. (laughs) And and I I get that there might be something where it's, like, well, they're just, like, beat us up if we don't wait for them. But they didn't say anything like that. So it's just, it seemed like they just kind of waited around for the purpose of establishing that these guys are the bullies. Which just, it it seemed a little weird to me. I can can appreciate that a little bit. I think that, that makes sense to me. I think I can, I can, like, I was never, um, I was never outright bully, but I certainly, I think I sort of remember the feeling of, say, if I was in the process of being, even if it was, like, playfully bullied or picked on where, like, I wasn't having fun, but they were having fun, so let me just pretend like this is cool, even though I wish this wasn't happening, um, as opposed to, you know, just running in a different direction or whatever, um, so I, I can I can sort of uh, connect with the um, not not even whatever the whatever the neutral version of fight or flight of just like just kind of frozen and just just this will just happen until it's done happening. Um, I can uh, whatever that is I can connect with that. But the way you explained it, I can also I can imagine the the feeling of like why would they sit there or, or why wouldn't they leave? But but I I can, I can also personally sort of recall you know situations of like somebody who maybe they weren't necessarily my friend maybe they were sort of being like bully-esque but it was just playful enough that it didn't appear to be like mean-spirited so I'll just kind of hang out for a second and not make a big deal out of it because then maybe it'll be over soon that that sort of thing so I can, I, I, I can see both ends of it, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And, like, what, once the scene was happening, like, like with how their responses were and all that, that, it was totally natural and really well done. And at one point, they these bullies tell Dustin to do this weird arm thing where he can crack his arms. And I, I get I, I get that, like, once they're there and they're telling him to do this thing, whatever. But just, there was, like, a point where there's, like, a good three seconds where they see the bullies show up. And I don't even know if the bullies saw them at that point. But like I, I just figured I if if I were them, 
I like, I mean, yeah, whatever. Like they're standing there. It'd be weird to walk away. But before the bullies see them, if I saw them first, I would try and just get the fuck away from them as far as possible to just avoid anything. And it just seemed like they were kind of just waiting for the scene to start. almost. <laughs> so, so there was that, but I mean, I'm, I'm being very, very nitpicky, but let's get to the high school. Cause can we talk about Barb for a second? Sure. Sure. Okay. This is not a spoiler at all. My first thought when I saw this character is poor Barb. That's my first thought. Because here's the thing. Like, she she's actually a very pretty girl. This actress, Shannon something is her name. And she's actually a very pretty girl. But she is not wearing an outfit suited for her body. And, she, you know, she's a beautiful, full-figured woman. But that, that outfit, those, those mom jeans and that pilgrim <laughs> shirt. And... Let's just get to the glasses. As someone who's had like a full-time prescription since they were 14 years old, I am so grateful that I was born the year that I was and that I got to wear glasses that did not look like that. Like those <laughs> big Coke bottle things. Like you just you just feel for this girl, right? She she just is so sweet and it's like like life is cruel sometimes. Life is really cruel. <laughs> and Barb. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, yeah I, I think I had similar thoughts, not quite to, to to that degree, but but similar thoughts insofar as that, like, um, not 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 even in a cliche way, but you know, she's this character is 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 written and designed in a very specific uh, archetype of of a uh, of high school kids, but it's also not unrealistic, like that that the, the you know that kid that sort of high school kind of nerdy shy has the pretty best friend archetype is is very i think it's very common both in you know television and movies but also just in high school in general like that 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 girl definitely exists yeah oh and i was totally bar back in high school like (laughs) So, I mean, maybe a little raunchier, but like I totally was her. But I'm like, thank God I got to have better glasses than that. <laughs> that was my big takeaway. And actually, this actress, uh, Shannon Purser is her name. She plays Ethel Muggs on Riverdale. Oh, shit. Okay. So, yeah. And, and she here, like, she's not wearing glasses. So you get to see her really beautiful face and her freckles and she gets nice makeup. She even has nice makeup in, as Barb under those glasses. But I mean, like, you can't really tell. But I'm like, Poor girl. Like, she plays a girl named Barb in one show. She plays a girl named Ethel in the other show. Can't we just get her away from the old lady name? Like, her name is Shannon, and she seems like a lovely human being. Like, can't we, she just play a character named, like, Vanessa or something like that? Like, I just, I, I, I just, I, I feel all the feels for Barb. And, um, and someone who I don't have all the feels for, let's talk about Steve a little bit. Sure. Because, um, so yeah, we we learn through this kind of giggly, very sweet conversation between Nancy and Barb that she's kind. Nancy is kind of seeing this guy Steve, and she they're not really boyfriend and girlfriend. She doesn't really know where it's going. And Steve, he he's a little more popular. And then she gets a Nancy gets a note in her locker saying, "Meet me in the bathroom." And they are making out in the bathroom. And can <laughs> can I just say? Like, even when I got my first boyfriend at the very end of high school, we were not making out in bathrooms, in public bathrooms at the school. Like, that is very fast, it seems, <laughs> for someone who, for they're not even boyfriend and girlfriend, and they're making out in the bathroom. I don't, I was a little, like, for, as a, like, thinking of me as a high schooler watching that, I was a little bit like, whoa, that's very fast. Did you think that at all? Um... 
not not really, but I would say like in this in the, in the I would make I I would maybe put it in the same in the same conversation as uh, as Will Byers uh, loading a gun and preparing it to to protect himself. That that even if it did seem kind of fast, um, uh, I accepted it as like okay, well they're you know if this is even if this isn't normal, that I'm learning something very specific about these two characters. Yeah, and I have to say that um, Steve and his hair that doesn't move. I'm not. I'm not a biggest fan of the Steve, but I have to. He's got some smooth moves. He's got some good lines. Like if I, <laughs> if I were making out with him, yeah, definitely there there'd be some uh, moistening of the puss. Let's just say <laughs> he's so, also and, and, he's in a Domino's pizza commercial campaign. I don't know. Is he? Yeah, it's uh, it's. Does he have the crazy hair in that commercial too? You know, it's it's so it's it's um it's it's an eighties themed commercial where the, like every the commercial is an homage to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and he plays Ferris Bueller. Oh, he'd be perfect for that <laughs> little devil. Your beautiful Nancy Wheeler. Oh my god! And even as I say it, I realize like, you know, for you know, for us, like Stranger Things is like a way bigger deal. But more people have probably seen his Domino's commercial just because it's just by the nature of broadcast television. More people probably see him from that. And one day they'll watch Stranger Things. They're like, oh, hey, it's the dude from the Domino's pizza commercial. <laughs> That's funny. And I, I love the whole him climbing up into her window thing to, like, quote unquote, help her study and all that stuff. It's just uh, that's that's all I wanted in high school was for <laughs> some guy to climb my window. <laughs> metaphorically uh, and figuratively indeed yeah it's, it's just like it's like romeo and juliet but with like actual fucking even though even though you know what she she kind of put the kibosh on the fucking and he was cool with it and he kept studying with her so it's like you think oh maybe he's gonna be a nice guy so i i'm really i'm very intrigued by this whole steve nancy thing and nancy gorgeous girl why does she do her hair up like a pioneer <laughs> Like it's, it's, I mean, it looks nice, but it just like, like she like with her clothes and and it's not as bad as Barb, but still, she definitely looks like she should be like getting tried as a witch in Salem. <laughs> I don't know. It's well, she's she's uh, I, I get I get the impression from like the first conversation we see her having with Barb is that um, that Nancy used to be a little bit more Barb, and in high school maybe she's now sort of slowly evolving into a slightly cooler packed but this is this is sort of the the in between so we we see a lot of the we see a lot of the the, the visual cues that she's cool but then as, as you as you recognize the hair is not quite there yet so she's not made the, the full transition yet into being barbed to cool and okay in i know that when I got home from school or when I get home from work or whatever, whatever I was wearing that day comes off and like comfy clothes are put on usually, especially like the later at night it gets. And when she was studying me, it seemed like she was kind of surprised that Steve showed up. Like she wasn't actually expecting him to show up. So if I were wearing like tights to school, as soon as I'm home, I'm ripping those things off so fast. And she was in her bed, like in her school clothes, wearing tights and I was just like, if if like I, I get it if she knew he was coming over, so she wouldn't be in like sweatpants and looking like schlubby. But I mean, and Chanel loves fashion. Does she like just hang out at home like at eight o'clock at night in tights? Um, not really. I mean, like she won't change immediately after work. Um, 
but but uh, but the goal is is definitely before long to put on something more comfortable than what she was wearing during the day. Yeah, so that that definitely stood out to me when she was like splayed out on the bed there, their little <laughs> powder blue tights. Um, and uh, the only thing I really want to talk about beyond that is uh, the iconic coffee and contemplation line when um, the chief hopper shows up at work and he's obviously hungover and he's late and everyone else is there and they're all his employees who are there and uh, and uh, Flo, the secretary, is bothering him about um oh someone's stealing someone's garden gnomes again <laughs> and and there's th- this matter of the missing will buyers and he just tells her that mornings are for coffee and contemplation and i think anyone who's ever drank one cup of coffee in their life is just like yes that is true <laughs> and also too and this wasn't the point you were making but you you made it in the process is again in the very just really great economic storytelling that uh, stranger things does we learn in just a few brief moments and a little bit of dialogue that exciting shit doesn't happen in this town, that people still garden gnomes, and that's about it. And if there is a kid missing, we're not even nervous about it because chances are he just fell asleep on the back lawn and they haven't found him yet. Like they, It doesn't even occur to them that something larger and more devious could have possibly happened in this town. Yeah, and even when uh, Joyce is in the office freaking and smoking again, like they all do, and even the the chief isn't taking it that seriously, and you know she's going on about how he's been bullied, and and she's just like, and they make fun of his clothes, and the chief is completely judgmentally, what's wrong with his clothes? I just, <laughs> I thought I thought that was just so funny, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about the chief because I said that you know when I first meet him. He doesn't really do it for me with, you know, the drinking the beer in the morning and the, having a cigarette while brushing his teeth and all that. And by the way, like any, for any guys who are smokers who like, I mean, I know that smoking is definitely not as cool as it used to be. But for those who think it's kind of cool, I've dated a smoker and that smell does not get out of your hair for a while, even if the smoker in question is very respectful and careful about, you know, smoking outside and all that. So it's just freaking gross. So that's just my PSA there for all, for all the kids listening. Don't smoke, kids. It's gross. Right? You don't want your hair to smell like it. Anyway. Anyway. The where it, so so then okay, this guy like the chief he does have to take this search thing a little seriously. So then they call in um like Mike and his friends to the office to to talk about, you know, because they were the last people who saw Will. And um and they're bickering about the Hobbit and all that stuff. Because at this point, it's not that serious. And I just love that scene. But then, you know, like, the chief is eventually, like, he's, he's had his day disrupted. Like, he's, his big plan is probably to take a nap in his office. And now he has to go deal with this shit. And so, and he, but he tells the kids, you know, don't go looking for your friend. And he said, am I making myself clear? And that's when it did it for me. <laughs> I was just like, Chief Hopper, you can make yourself clear all over my face. <laughs> and then they said yes sir i was like oh jackpot i was into it how did, so, I, not, so, how did I not see that one coming yeah it's so obvious now <laughs> am i clear oh. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's like like an adult like pulling rank with a kid to like get me going <laughs> it, it was all kinds of sexy for me i i did the thing where it's like you like back it up five seconds and like watched it about eight times <laughs> loved it that's so hilarious. I don't know if that you want to end it on that, but I just I just wanted to let everyone know when my thing for Hopper 
became a thing. I, I think I don't, I don't think we could end it any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ending with uh, with Hopper making it clear all over Liz's face. That's that's the perfect place to to wrap up episode one. Uh, as we wrap up, though, I, I, so okay, so obviously we uh, obviously we want people to continue to listen because this is the first of eight episodes that we're going to do in this in this uh, mini series of uh, Stranger Things talk, which I'll, we'll we'll figure out what it's called soon enough. Um, but if Didn't you want to say Stranger Things, Stranger Things, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure out how to spell that, but that might be the way to go. I think you just add an extra er on the end. I was even I was thinking either add an extra er or add an, a hyphen before, so that way it's <laughs> not like a, so that way it's not like a, like a visual like trick where you're like they don't see it right away. It's like strange er er thing. I, th- I think that's it. I think it's stranger hyphen er things is what this is. Um, we definitely want to make sure people are getting every one of every one of the next eight episodes. So if you're not already subscribed, the easiest way to make sure that you get every episode of this miniseries and every other episode of the podcast is to subscribe. And the easiest way to do that is on iTunes. Just go to iTunes, subscribe. It's free. And for the next seven weeks, including today, eight weeks, you'll get Liz and I talking about Stranger Things. It will just magically appear in your iTunes list. You have nothing else to do except subscribe. So do that. If you're not an iTunes listener, Stitcher Radio is also a place where you can listen to the show. Uh, catch it at stitcher.com. Again, it's free. I think you can also subscribe. I know that's how Gary Lopez listens to the show, uh, but Liz has no idea what I just said because she heard Gary and then blanked out. So we're back, Liz. We're just talking about how people can listen. Oh, yay. Download us. <laughs> uh, and if uh, iTunes and Stitcher don't do it for you, there's always the old-fashioned way, which is martinlestrapshow.com. That's the official website of this podcast where all 169 episodes are available and next week all 170 and really forever and always all the episodes will be up there for free unless something crazy happens. But I don't know what that crazy thing is. So just assume they'll always be available and free. Um, Also, while uh, Stranger Things, it's a Netflix show and so you can watch it on Netflix um, if you if if you if you have any shopping to do, maybe you want to buy a the net, maybe you want to buy Stranger Things on box set, or maybe you want to buy a cool uh, Stranger Things pop toy or strain a uh, cool Stranger Things T shirt. Um, I I I happen to have the Stranger Things T shirt, Liz. I don't know if you know that about me, but it exists right now in my bedroom. Oh, you're not wearing it. I I should have worn it, and uh, for 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 this purposes, I should just scrap this whole podcast. Let's record it again. When got <laughs> we'll start on. over with the shirt. We'll <laughs> we'll remember what we said for the last two hours. Um, if you want to buy any of that cool stuff, get some cool Stranger Things swag. Except it's not swag because you'll pay for it. Go to Amazon. Go to Amazon.com. But before you go to Amazon, first go to the official website of this podcast, which you'll find at martinlestrapsshow.com. Go to the shop page. You're going to see an Amazon banner at the top. Click that banner. It takes you to Amazon. Do your shopping. Amazon, in turn, for the money you spend, they'll kick back a few pennies our way. And then we get to reinvest those pennies back into the show, which allows us to make the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you, which we strive to do week after week after week and uh that 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 officially does it for this first episode of stranger earth things which i think is our title now unless we come up with something <laughs> different but i think i think we're i think we're good with that yeah 
I'm I'm very good with that. All right, strange er er things. This is at uh, the end of episode one. I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, certainly, I want to thank Liz both for having this idea because this is fun, but also I want to thank Liz just for joining me, not only as, as a regular contributor, but as we said earlier, you're basically about to become an official occasional co-host. So, so I want to thank you, Liz, and uh, thank all you for I'll thank all you guys for listening. And until next time, I will see you on the other side. Later, cunts. Language! Ha, 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 ha.